This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda. And Brittany. Hey. <laughs> Changing hey. it up a little bit. Oh, you poor baby. You had to... Well, all the like, hello, hey words Aww. have an H in it, and I can't say my H's. <laughs> But it's so cute, though. <laughs> yeah, so last week I was all nasally and congested. This week she's got her sexy, raspy voice yeah. going on. Hey, Gunther, be a good little boy. Bring me whiskey. I got half a voice, and it squeaks a little bit, so I apologize. Oh, thank you all for all the good the uh, good get well wishes. I can't even talk. Thank you for all this the is get gonna well be wishes. <laughs> that was super sweet. We are feeling better. We're just suffering yeah. the uh, aftermath of yes. the bullshit. This is just leftovers. <laughs> it's fine. When you put a D at the end of fine, you're not fine. Everything's fine. My voice is like the leftovers at the back of the fridge right now. It's cool. <laughs> not like, my leftovers. My- like, everything else is better except for my voice, really. I it's- think it's cute. Okay. Well, we're going to go with it then. As long as... <laughs> As long as you can make it through your case, we're good. I got it. I got this. I mean, we do have a little something to wet our whistles. Indeed. For episode 39, poisoning. Poisoning. Okay. So, yeah. Poisoning. Mm-hmm. And it's hump day. It is hump day. Yeah. And I was responsible for this week's hump day treat. Yes. And I have a backstory of the hump day trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to give the backstory. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of insight (laughs) (laughs) into the planning of a hump day treat. Mm -hmm. So, the beginning of the week, I thought to myself, okay, the topic is poisoning. And bartenders, you know, a lot of times they're like, pick your poison, you know, on the old movies and stuff. Yes. And I was like, okay, so I got to make a cocktail, right? Absolutely. So... From the murder and mixology, or mixology and murder. murder. Mixology and murder, yeah. That cocktail book that I got for Christmas. Yeah. So I'm like thumbing through, thumbing through, yada, yada, yada. I found one called Deadly Dose was the name of the cocktail. Yeah. And I started real reading, and I realized that it directly relates to Amanda's case. Oh, yeah. Didn't even so, plan it. Because this book has, like, what every cocktail is inspired by, the case that it's inspired by. Yeah. And this was inspired by her case. And I was like, well, of course, that's what we're going to have. Done. So. Well. <laughs> I started reading the ingredients. I'm going to read them to you now. Mm-hmm. Handful of ice cubes. Two ounces of scotch, which made me pause for a moment. Because yes. I don't drink scotch. Three-fourths ounce of fresh lemon juice. Three-fourths ounce of cherry honey syrup. Which made me pause again, because what the fuck? Yeah. A half ounce of cherry liqueur and a lemon peel for garnish. And I was like, okay, that's easy enough. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I had trouble finding was cherry honey syrup. Yeah. Where do you get that? Yeah. If you know, tell me, because I really need to know this. So I was like, well, I'll just kind of make my own. Mm -hmm. 
With grenadine and honey. Yeah, that that's what we came that up was, with. That was the plan. My idea was getting those flavored fruit sticks or fruit honey <laughs> sticks. So I was like, I don't, I can't, I can't find it. <laughs> I had to veto that one. I was afraid of it. Yeah. It scary. So then we started asking people, what type of scotch do you use when you're mixing a cocktail? Yeah, because we are completely clueless Y'all, on scotch. <laughs> we <laughs> were strongly advised not to make cocktails with scotch. Mm-hmm. That's a horrible idea. Like they were like, you're gonna mix something with scotch other than ice. You you don't do that. So so one friend's comment, John. So he's telling me, you know, that I'm going to have to spend at least 30 bucks on a bottle of scotch mm-hmm. for it to be worth anything. And we try to go cheap, y'all. And here's his comment. If you find any bottles less uh, for less than that, your cocktail is going to taste like cherry flavored gasoline. And as soon as I read that, I was like, I'm out. Yep. So we'll still post a picture for you of the recipe just in case you want to try it. Sure. If you want to be brave. And if you are brave and you try it. Then let us know. Take a picture of it and send it to us. Like, let us know what it tastes like. It's supposed to kind of resemble cherry cough syrup is what I'm guessing. Yeah, that's that's the gist. Yeah. Um, But we're not brave. Mm -mm. So you be brave for us. (laughs) We'll post the recipe if you want to do it. After all that, I decided to go to my good old trusty favorite cherry flavored drink. Mm -hmm. And you guys can laugh at me all you want to. I love the shit out of a cherry vodka sour. I think we talked about that in the last episode. Probably actually. so. I think we did. And I've been made fun of so many times because apparently this is like, you know. A some, basic bitch drink. Something a 21-year-old drinks <laughs> when she doesn't know what kind of alcohol she likes. And maybe that's how I tried it. I don't remember. It's been so long. It doesn't matter. You find a drink and you stick with it. I like it. My, oh, yeah. Remember, it makes her happy and it makes her dance. Yes, and, I do. Yeah. So that's what we're drinking mm-hmm. with. Grey Goose vodka, leftover from my birthday vodka from Amanda. I'm That's still the you same. Still life. have it, yeah, because I saved the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then grenadine and sour mix. So yes, that that's our treat, and a handful of ice cubes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We stuck with the ice cubes. Yeah, does that count? And, and there's and cherry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no recipe. I just uh, pour stuff until it's the color I want it to be. She did a fantastic job. Thank you very much. It's perfect. <laughs> I'm feeling really good. Good. Already. Yeah. We um, had a quote unquote business meeting yes, beforehand. We did. No, it was a legit business meeting. And so we're about halfway through our drink. Well, Amanda's damn near done with hers. I'm sorry. It's really good. I'm a little over halfway. It's fine. We're going to have fun here. This, mm-hmm. is, this is a fun place. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else we got? Go to Facebook and all that. Oh, yeah. Facebook and Instagram so you can see the photos. Yeah. And, and just connect with us, you know. We like friends. We, I mean, yeah, we love interacting with y'all. It's really cool. Yeah. So just pop in and say hi. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, give us suggestions. If you have, like, favorite murders or serial killers or ghost stories or... Alcoholic beverages. Yeah. <laughs> Strange phenomenon. Ooh. We like material. Give us some new material. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you may have to wait a few years to hear it because <laughs> we got a pretty big ongoing list. We do have a good list going on, but you know, if something catches our eye, we can always bump it up. We have the authority to do it. This is our podcast. It's our podcast. We make the rules. Yeah. I like that. 
That's why it's so frightening sometimes. <laughs> a little bit because it's all up to us. But the brainchild of Brittany and Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's scary. <laughs> it's scary. So, but we're we're at episode thirty nine. We're yeah. still going. We're so, almost forty. We're almost ugh. forty. Ooh, forty's gonna be good. Y'all just buckle the fuck up for 40. 40 is such a scary number. No, it's really not. It's really not. It's okay. Now, after 40, that's when it's like, what the fuck? I'm just... Weird shit starts happening. Daily inching closer and closer and closer. I don't want to hear it. To the 40. I don't want to hear it. Well, you're like 28, so I don't know what you're talking about. I thought it was 23, 22. I don't know. I don't know. I can't keep up. I don't know anymore. Buckle up, bitches. And happy humping. And happy humping. While you listen. <laughs> While you work. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. All right. Yeah, We're starting our episode let's, now. Let's it's talk time. about poisoning. Okay. Okay. So, my case is on the Philadelphia poison ring. Yes. So, um, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> there was like... Uh, Three or four different cases that I was looking at, and I couldn't decide which one I wanted to do, and they were all, you know, very different. Yeah. And I settled on this one because of the last name of the the main main dudes. Oh, you know how I love names. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read my first sentence okay. and then see if you smell what I'm stepping in here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Let's take a whiff. All right. Okay. So, consisting of more than a dozen people, the Philadelphia Poison Ring was a murder-for-hire gang led by the Petrillo cousins, Herman and Paul, in the 1930s, who were involved in insurance scams, counterfeiting, and murder. Petrillo! <laughs> Golden Girls! Yeah. Sophia Petrillo! How could I not pick that? You have to. I read that, and all I could hear was, picture it, Philadelphia, 1930s. Yes, yes, yes. That was perfect. That's probably how I should have opened up. Man, I really, I, I really. Okay, fudged, we'll redo it. Fudge that one. <laughs> it's fine. And We're Herman. Now. Herman. I mean. Herman makes me think of the Munsters. Yes. <laughs> okay. Love it. So go ahead and go to the notes, and well, let's notes. look at Herman and Paul. So. Herman's picture says Herman Petrillo, and this is his pretty mugshot. He's, um... Oh. He's a little scary looking. A little bit. But, like, I, he, I, I'm sorry. Yes, sir. He, he looks like... Um, at me. It, with the hat? Mm-hmm. He looks like a Florida retiree with that hat on. <laughs> <laughs> like, he should be sitting on a porch sipping iced tea. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. And then Paul Petrillo... He looks more of like a Chicago style gangster. Yes, to me. he does. Uh, that's exactly what I was about to say. Absolutely. With uh, the hat, the suit, the stash. Definitely a, a mafia yeah. guy. That's they're what it look, that's they're what he looks both like. kind of scary looking. Yeah. So that's the Petrillo cousins. A little intimidating. Okay. So a little backstory. Of the time period here. Okay. Late 1930s America was still reeling from the stock market crash of 1929. Mm -hmm. When the nation suffered an average of 15% unemployment, Philadelphia itself reached a 25% rate in 1938. So just for shits and gigs, 
Yeah. Go back to the notes. Okay. And I found a picture of a main street in Philadelphia in the 1930s. <gasps> and you oh. know how I love old buildings and old pictures. Oh. So here we go. Oh, this is fabulous. Look how bustling this little street is. I love this so much. I Me love all the old cars too. and stuff too. I love seeing old pictures like that. This is awesome. It's so fun. I want to go there. Like, I just want to hop in the photo. So, a little side note. Okay. Have you seen um, the photographer around here, around the Shreveport area, who merges new photography from today with old time period pictures? Like, have you seen those? I'm going to have to find that yeah. and, and share one of them so y'all can see what I'm talking about. It is amazing. Like, they'll take pictures of downtown Shreveport. Yes. From, yes, like, yes. 1925 and kind of, like, overlay it or merge it somehow. I don't know how they do that. With a picture from today, like a current picture. And it is so cool. And they'll take, like, landmark businesses that have been here for... A hundred years and and do that with and it's so cool. That is really cool. I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay, so that was Philly. <laughs> in West Philadelphia, Philadelphia. I've got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to start busting out with it too. So <laughs> I'm feeling my vodka mm-hmm. already. So I apologize for all the uh, side steps here. I got to get a shot glass. You really? So we do. can stop eyeballing this. I don't hate it though. I, I, I was fixing to say I'm okay with it's, his eyeball. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that eyeball too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time I laugh, I hear it. It makes me laugh more because it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay, we can do this. Okay, it's fine. Third sentence. We're grown ups. <laughs> <laughs> Are we, though? <laughs> we could be grown-ups. Okay, fine. All right. So, it was in this environment that the cousins found themselves with sinister intentions and willing conspirators. Yeah. The cousins were experienced in the world of elaborate crimes. Herman was involved in insurance fraud, dabbling in arson so people could collect payments on their property. Hmm. Yeah. He changed paths when he encountered someone selling counterfeit money. Seeing how money was being made out of almost nothing, Herman began studying the necessary skills and became an expert himself. Yeah, because you could get away with it back then. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) they didn't have that little strip in there. (laughs) Can you really blame him? Not at all. At least he wasn't killing anybody by making them drink themselves to death so he can collect money on the insurance policy. You know. Yet. (laughs) let's continue shall we paul had run a successful tailor shop until the depression pushed him into shadier deals Mm. he ended up selling cheap insurance to sick people and naming himself as the beneficiary oh shit (laughs) okay these people i mean desperate times call for desperate measures right (laughs) right (laughs) I'm going to have to take some medicine. Yeah. Some mesodin. It's fine. There you go. There. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I was going to kill it, and then I stopped. Well, it's like, as a kid, trying to take it's that. settling to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Trying to take that whole cup of medicine, you know, you just got to chug it. You're like, okay, I'm going to do it all in one, and then you get to the very end, and you're like, I can't, I can't do it. it. I can't do it. Yeah. All right. 
So they decided to form a matrimonial agency. They joined forces with Morris Bulber. (laughs) That's bruh's name. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Morris Bulber. To establish this agency with the purpose of helping widowed women remarry and get life insurance policies for their new husbands. Hey. So, pop on over to the notes. Yes. And look at that picture of Morris Bulber. Okay, the name fits the face. Yeah, He looks like a Bulber. He does. Oh, yeah. It's not cute. I'm so sorry. It's not cute. Okay. I noticed that's a mug shot as well. Yeah. That's great. That's all I can find. (laughs) Hey. It is what it is. They did it to themselves. A Russian Jewish immigrant to the United States, Bulber had a reputation as a dangerous criminal. While he may have been nicknamed Louis the Rabbi. What the? For who knows why. I was about to say, I need to know. Okay. I have no info. All right. Bulber was anything but holy. Having taken a deep interest in the activities of the Petrillo cousins soon after crossing paths with them. Soon enough, Morris Bulber was a full-fledged member of the Petrillo cousins' informal gang. Nice. Yeah. What a happy little... They're all friends. Yep. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, (laughs) the Petrillos were less interested in love and more in profit. Sure. Since the agency functioned as a conduit for collecting money from these policies, the Petrillo cousins and their gang had a special interest in making sure the client's husbands came to tragic ends, often with the wives as willing accomplices. It's so fucked up. This whole thing is fucked, too. Okay. (laughs) This allowed the Petrillos and conspirators to collect twice the policy's amount due to the double indemnity clause. Hey. Which we spoke about, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, sure did. I gave that little definition for y'all. Just to... Yeah. I did not refer back. Yeah. (laughs) Go back to 37. Paul considered himself to be a practitioner of witchcraft and intended to use black magic to cause the husband's deaths. He would perform La Fatura, a form of magic that was believed in by many members of the South Philadelphia Italian community. When that didn't work, they decided to use arsenic instead. Sweet. Because <laughs> some men just can't hold their arsenic. <laughs> <laughs> he had it coming. <laughs> he had it coming. Oh, new homework. Watch Chicago. Ooh, I yes. love Chicago. Okay. New homework. Yes. Everybody go watch Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's the shit right there. That and if the you shit. don't sing the whole time, what are what you even are doing you with doing? your life? Yeah. Do the sing-along version if you need to. Put on the closed captions. I mean. Yes. Get it. Do it. Do it. That's what I'm going to do Sunday. I think. Watch Chicago. And clean my house. And all that jazz. (sighs) Love that movie. Oh, it's so good. I went and saw the Chicago play. They did it at Shreveport Little Theater. Yeah, they did. I forgot about that. And I went and watched that. And we all dressed up. Was it good? Oh, shit. (laughs) Was it good? Did they do a good job? Uh, Yeah. I kind of sang under my breath while I was well, how could, I mean, come on now. How could you not? Maybe I need to be in the theater. You got the voice for <laughs> no, it. No, I'm not going to the theater. <laughs> no, we'd have to be in front of people. Are you kidding me? Somebody <laughs> might look at me. Yeah. No. Y'all keep your fingers crossed for uh, a live show future because 
<laughs> I mean, can we do it with our backs to you? Oh, yeah. There we go. Can we do that? Yeah. Or like do it behind a shadow screen? Blindfold. Y'all could see our silhouettes. Does that count? <laughs> no? Yes? I don't know. Weigh in. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, back to the story. Mm. Their new customer base was unhappily married or recently widowed women looking for love. In order to connect with their new target, the Petrillos hired women such as Maria Karina Favado. Oh. Josephine Sarita. Ooh. And Rose Karina. Okay. To act as salespeople to these unsuspecting victims. I'm renaming her as Rose. Rose all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trick y'all. <laughs> yeah, trick y'all. <laughs> I promise we're grown ups. <laughs> the play was simple. Offer powders, incantations, and love potions to women who desperately sought to adjust their love lives. With many of their customers being widowed, divorced, or women in unhappy marriages, the Petrillo's business soared. Because I bet it did. It was Depression era, so, like, everybody was unhappy. Yeah. Many desperate women approached the matrimonial agency. Quote, unquote. Yeah. In order to put their romantic lives back on track. <laughs> Unfortunately for these women, the services that the Petrillos and their associates offered these women came with a catch. The women that were hired by the Petrillo cousins were referred to as spiritual counselors. They would consult the women in search of better love lives and check what sort of remedies to the situation they could provide them with. On the other hand, some women were warned that the potion would actually kill the husband if he was found to be irredeemable. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, because that was my next question was, were any of the women aware? Some were, yeah. I like it. I like it. (laughs) You are grinning way too big. Beware of Amanda, y'all. God. No, I just think that's um, intriguing. <laughs> I wonder how they chose which ones they told the truth to. I'm sure they could tell. Like when the women came to them and they're like, look, this motherfucker. I am sick of his shit. He doesn't help with the kids. He doesn't help cook or clean. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't do nothing. I'm doing everything. I just want him to go away. So they'd be like, well, <laughs> hold on. How bad do you want him to go away? And him, because see, I have this potion. Do you want to? Do you want him to go away forever, or do you just want to fix the problem? I mean, is he fully irredeemable? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Intriguing. Mm-hmm. So, unable to quite give up their insurance game, the products that the cousins gave to their customers were often accompanied by excessive insurance policies. Yeah. When doing business with recently remarried women, the Petrillos would set up life insurance policies for their new husbands, naming themselves as the beneficiaries for the insurance payouts. Mm. As one would probably imagine, the Petrillos were not patient enough to wait for these payouts (laughs) by allowing things to take their natural course. Sure. There was only one action that they could take in order to speed up the process. Organize the deaths of their clients' husbands. I wonder if they had a chart. There's got to be some sort of spreadsheet. Right? Yeah. Color-coded. Definitely color-coded. Definitely color-coded. you got to have it color-coded. <laughs> Otherwise, how would you understand it? Yeah. I mean, if the women were making the spreadsheets, it was totes color-coded. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Rather than commit murders themselves, they decided to exploit vulnerable women in the worst way possible. Many of the elixirs, as I said before, that the Petrillos supplied their clientele were laced with arsenic or antimony. Yeah. As soon as these liquids touched the lips of these women's husbands, their lives came to a swift and brutal end. Many of these deaths were written off as being accidental, and they might have gotten away with it, too, uh, if it hadn't have been for those meddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I wrote, but that's just what yeah, it says. them damn kids. Yeah. So they may have gotten away with it, but the two couldn't limit themselves to killing just their client's husband. No, they got greedy, of course. Yeah. In 1938, Herman was having an affair with a woman named Stella Alfonsi and offered to pay an associate to murder her husband, Ferdinando. Ooh. So I have a picture of Stella. Okay. If you want to go to the notes. Yes. Stella looks a little worse for wear. Uh, it is her mugshot, though. Uh, okay. Um, Stella is sporting um, a very disheveled hairdo. Some 2000s eyebrows. Yes, early 2000s mm. pencil-thin eyebrows. And yeah. about, um, I would say, 2018 era... Botox lips is what it looks like. She looks like she got popped in the damn mouth is what it is. That's kind of what I was thinking at first. She looks a little rough. She looks like she needs some sleep. She may have got her ass beat before this picture was taken because she's looking a little crazy. She does. She looks a little disheveled. But like seriously though, her lips look Botoxed and I know they're not Botoxed. It was 1938. Okay. Just from the look she's giving, I wouldn't fuck with this bitch. She kind of scurry. She can. Yeah. I, I Yeah. And I asked myself before I found the pictures, well, the picture of her, what woman is going to have an affair with Herman? Herman? Remember the picture of Herman? That's true. And then I saw that and I was like, like maybe Paul. Okay. Maybe Paul. Shit checks out. But not Herman. Yeah. Shit checks out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's Stella. Okay, girl. George Mayer's upholstery cleaning company was in financial trouble. I know it sounds like I'm jumping off point, but I'm not. Just okay. hang with me. I was like, who the fuck is George? <laughs> <laughs> he was eventually directed to Herman Petrillo. Okay. Who offered him a cleanup job of a different guy. Mm. Meyer was told that if he were willing to organize the death of Ferdinando Alfonsi. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a Muppet character. It does. <laughs> okay. So, if he were willing to organize the death of Ferdinando Alfonsi, mm-hmm. he would be given $500 with an additional $2,500 worth of counterfeit money. Okay. All right. Herman wanted George to hit Ferdinando with a car to make his death look like an accident. Okay. While Myers wasn't interested in the killing, he played along to see if he could get an advance of the money. Sure. Herman later simply poisoned Ferdinando with arsenic because Meyer was taking too long to act. Right. The reason Meyer hesitated for so long was that he was actually a police informant (gasps) working with investigators to catch the Petrillo cousins on an unrelated counterfeiting charge. That was just a bonus. Yeah. (laughs) Holy shit. The plan was to steal or buy a car, take Alfonsi out to a dark country road and hit him. Herman Petrillo preferred the idea of stealing a car rather than to buy one. 
Yeah. But detectives were hoping to convince Petrillo to give Meyer the money to buy a car for the murder as it would give them the opportunity to arrest him on counterfeit charges. Yep. So they were hoping it didn't go that far. Hmm. The uh, play-along plan continued <laughs> until Meyer, out of curiosity and concern, decided to visit the intended murder victim. Oh. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> I have a feeling this is not going to end up well. And it- At the front door of the house where Alfonsi lived, Meyer learned from an old woman who had opened the door that Alfonsi was seriously ill. I bet he was. After notifying detectives, he returned with them to the Alfonsi house. They found him, of course, to be bizarrely ill, suffering symptoms of bulging eyes, immobility, and unable to speak. I didn't know it did that. Apparently it does. Okay. At the next meeting with Herman Petrillo, after he handed over an envelope full of counterfeit bills, Meyer asked about the plan. Petrillo replied that there was no reason to worry about it anymore. It was being handled, apparently. Oh, God. Ferdinando Alfonsi died after being admitted to the hospital. The cause of death was heavy metal poisoning. Yeah. The autopsy revealed tremendous arsenic levels. God. Yeah. Whew. So, the detectives assigned to the case were Michael Schwartz, Anthony (laughs) Franchetti, and Samuel Riccardi. They instantly thought of the rumors about a highly organized arsenic killing spree surging through the city. Indeed, there were distinct patterns. Mm -hmm. The victims tended to be Italian immigrants, as Alfonsi was, and to have high levels of arsenic in their bloodstreams. Virtually all these victims had wives who took out life insurance policies through the Petrillo's agency. They left a freaking paper trail. Because they still bit. Now, most importantly, each case involved a fresh life insurance policy with a double indemnity clause. Mm -hmm. And each cause of death was listed as some sort of violent accident. Well, yeah. That's the only way to get the good payout. Yeah. Herman Petrillo and Mrs. Alfonsi were both arrested. All right. Mrs. Alfonsi had purchased a sizable life insurance policy for her husband, who was an immigrant who could not read English and had been unaware of the policy in the first place. They weren't sure as to whether they could pin anything on Petrillo as he had managed to avoid the law for years. Police were quickly surprised when Petrillo began to confess to a multitude of murders, claiming his cousin and another were the ringleaders. So... With pharmacists testifying that the Petrillos had approached them for various poisons, Mm. 16 people were eventually brought forward as part of the ring. 16 people? Yes. Okay. So I found two different little newspaper clippings. Yeah. Some of the names I don't recognize, like I didn't hear about them in part of the story. So I'm guessing some of them are wives or, you know, the gang members that they didn't talk about. But if you look at... um, the second from the right on the top row. Okay. That's uh, Mrs. Karina Favato. Ah. She was one of the spiritual counselors. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the names. There's bottom know. left, Morris, Morris Bolger or Bulber. 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 <laughs> God. <laughs> He's down there. But the other names I didn't recognize on this, this clipping. Okay. Okay. And this is from the Daily Republican in Monongahela, Pennsylvania. And then the other clipping has another picture of Miss Karina Favato and a Mrs. Millie Giacobbe. I don't know. Sure. What are words? Um, I don't know. 
but yeah, I just saw this other picture and thought it was kind of cool too. No. <laughs> I was just reading the headline. Hexing tales heard. As police prepare for early mass trials, seven are widows of men who died. Mm-hmm. One woman claims she gave her husband only love potion. Stupid bitches. <laughs> number nine. Love potion number nine. Okay. Let's see. The leaders were ultimately convicted of 114 poison murders. Oh, my God. They were busy. And were executed by electric chair in 1941. How much you want to bet it was named old Sparky? Probably so. Mm-hmm. I'd put monies on that. Wow. 114. God. Morris Bulber was among the 14 others in the gang, all of whom were sentenced to life imprisonment. Okay. While some women were unaware of the ill fate that their husbands would meet, others knew full well what they had gotten themselves into. Yeah. Josephine Romaldo was one woman who was known to despise her sickly husband, Antonio. (laughs) And here we go. Millie Giacobbe. Okay. There's where that name came from. There it is. A dry goods store owner even tried to take her own life when confronted by the authorities over her husband's death. Agnes Mandiuk. Mandiuk. Duke. Mandiuk. Sure. Yeah, I think that, yeah. Yeah, that works. Okay. Mysteriously stopped working as a waitress around the same time that her husband, Romaine, was poisoned. Oh, I like Romaine. That's lettuce. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is lettuce. lettuce. Okay. (laughs) Women such as Grace Giovanetti. Yeah. And the previously mentioned Josephine Romaldo were sentenced to death by electric chair for their part in their husband's deaths. Women going to the electric chair. And fucking fantabulous. Thank you. I love, love it. I thought it was so quirky. I was like, it is. These folks are fucking crazy. Oh my God. Good job. Thank you, friend. So good. <laughs> so good. So good. I'm going to remember that one. It was good. Mm hmm. There wasn't like lengthy, detail filled stuff that I could find. Yeah. But there was a lot of quirky little stories. It was perfect. Yeah. That was what I needed. It was great. <laughs> It hit the spot. It'll be great. (laughs) That was so good. I love friends. So, so good. All right. I have a little backstory on mine, too. Okay. Okay. So, I chose mine. (laughs) Like, I've heard this one before several times, of course. But um, this one hits a little close to home, kind of. Because, with all my quirkiness... I'm allergic to uh, ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll kill me if I take it. So, I can only take Tylenol. So, I did the Chicago Tylenol murders. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> Makes me a little scared. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so, in September 1982... Chicago experienced a wave of unexplained deaths in a gruesome case that's now known as the Tylenol murders. Seven people ranging in age from 12 to 35 were killed after taking Tylenol capsules, all for common ailments. Though a massive recall and investigation were launched, the perpetrator was never found. Bum, bum, bum. 
<laughs> Early on the morning of Thursday, September 29th, 1982, a tragic medical mystery began with a sore throat and a runny nose. No! Yeah! <laughs> uh. It was then that Mary Kellerman, a 12-year-old girl from Elk Grove Village, a suburb of Chicago, thank you, Vodka, told her mother and father about her symptoms. They gave her one extra strength Tylenol capsule and sent her off to bed. Mm-hmm. I heard her go to the bathroom. I heard the door close. Then I heard something drop, Kellerman's father later recalled. I called, Mary, are you okay? There was no answer. I called again. Mary, are you okay? There was still no answer. So I opened the bathroom door and my little girl was on the floor unconscious. She was still in her pajamas. Oh, that breaks my heart. I know. <laughs> Paramedics threw everything in that drug box at this young lady and nothing made a difference. She died in her home within four hours of taking the over-the-counter medicine. Oh, no. She was dead by 7 a.m. Within a week, her death would panic the entire nation, and only months later, it changed the way we purchase and consume over-the-counter medications. Thank goodness. Yeah. Oh, that's so terrifying. Yes, it is. I mean, damn. From one Tylenol. Who takes just one Tylenol, by the way? Well, she was only 12. (laughs) You can still give a 12-year-old, too. Mm. It's like 12 and up on the label. I don't have a 12-year-old. No. So I don't know about that. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that scares me. Ashton takes Motrin all the time for his growing pains. Now he's not allowed to take medicine. I'm lying. I'm sorry. No, lying. no. It's different now. It's different now. They're not, they're, hold on. I can't open his container, so. <laughs> yeah, that's not childproof caps. Those are adult proof as well. Okay. No shit. Oh my God. All right. So that same day, a 27 year old postal worker named Adam Janice of Arlington Heights, Illinois, died of what was initially thought to be a massive heart attack. He stayed home from work because he had felt like he was getting a cold. Oh, so you're supposed to stay home from work when you get a cold. In in 1982, you could. I've been fucking up. No, we've been working through this whole damn thing. (laughs) I had to make phone calls sounded like this. We were adulting. I was adulting. We, we, we're grownups in that aspect. We have good work ethic, you guys. That's yeah. why this podcast is so fantastic. It's not because we need our paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally because we need a paycheck. <laughs> it helps when talking. you like the people that you work with. <laughs> I mean, a little okay. bit. It's like, hanging, okay. it's like hanging out with, you know, my best friends every day. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we make it work. All right. Um, yeah, so he got a cold and he went to go pick up his kids from preschool and stopped at the jewel. No, it's not where you buy those little addictive vapes. Okay. See, I was thinking the jewel was like a strip club where you find That's, like, I mean, where you find like Ruby and Sapphire. Topaz. Yeah. See? <laughs> The yeah. jewel. The jewel. There we go. Ooh. That's our next, that's strip our club. next business. Yeah. Uh, we're opening. Yeah. Yep. Strip club. Mm-hmm. The jewel. Okay. He grabbed some extra strength Tylenol and went about his day. He came home and he had lunch with the kids and he told them that he was going to take two Tylenol and lay down. A couple of minutes later, he came staggering into the kitchen and collapsed. Oh no. In front of his kids. 
That's so sad. His brother and sister-in-law, Stanley, 25, and Teresa, 19, of Lyle, Illinois, rushed to his home to console their loved ones. While they were there, both of them developed throbbing headaches. I mean, which is not uncommon as a response to death in the family. Yeah. Um, And each took a Tylenol extra strength capsule or two from the same bottle that Adam had used earlier in the day. Stanley died that very day. And Teresa was taken to the hospital and put on life support. Unfortunately, all efforts to save her life failed. And two days later at Northwest Community Hospital, they turned off the machines, at which time she was pronounced dead. They were so young. Mm -hmm. Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. Over the next few days. Well, I guess the postal worker was only 27, too. Like, everybody dying is young. Yeah. They were all young. Oh, my God. Wait, yeah. Babies. Mm Mm-hmm. Over the next few days, three more strange deaths occurred. 27-year-old Mary Rainer, Reiner, Reiner, Reiner. 27-year-old Mary Reiner was at her home in Winfield. She had recently given birth to her fourth child. Oh, my goodness. Go queen. <laughs> There's even more go queen about this, okay? Not feeling well, she loaded up all the kids and went to the drugstore. Shut up. Yep. She had just given birth five days earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that after Bruh, loading up that After a kids? long day at work, Jesus. loading up one kid oh my God. is a hassle. Oh, yeah. Okay, so she was instructed by her doctor to take some Tylenol for the pain. No, that's you better give me some Tylenol 3 for that pain. There better be a prescription involved, not just regular over-the-counter Tylenol. Okay, I can't. I can't attest to that, but I could imagine that you would need something more than Tylenol. I mean, just if you've ever had surgery or a broken bone or some severe pain, Tylenol ain't going to do it. None of the above. I've had severe pain. Okay. That's what I said. Like throwing in severe pain. Migraines, (laughs) whatever. There you go. That's the ticket. Like Tylenol. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So she took some and she collapsed. Her hubby Ed came home right after she had fallen to the floor She was pronounced dead at the hospital the following morning. At an Illinois Bell store in Lombard, Mary McFarlane, a 31-year-old resident of Elmhurst, tells her co-workers that she had a bad headache. McFarlane's brother said she went to the back room and took, I don't know how many Tylenol, at least one, obviously. And within a few minutes, she was on the floor. She also passed the next morning at the hospital. OMG, people. Like, it's knocking them out really fast. Well, there you go. Well, another one. Oh, my God. Yep. Um, after landing at Chicago O'Hare Airport after a long flight from Las Vegas, Paula Prince, a 35-year-old flight attendant with United Airlines, stops at a Walgreens to buy some Tylenol. Police discovered her body in her Old Town apartment on Friday evening. A surveillance photo of Paula purchasing the Tylenol was released by the Chicago Police Department. Police believe that a bearded man seen just feet behind Prince may have been the killer. Why do they think the bearded man did it? I don't know. That's all I said. That's just weird. Yeah. Like, I found a photo that had, um, it looked like her at a register, and it had an arrow pointing to something, but it looked like it was just pointing to her, so I didn't see yeah. what bearded man it was, so I didn't, eh. Yeah. It was at this point in early October of 1982 that investigators made the connection between the deaths and Tylenol, the best-selling non-prescription pain reliever sold in the United States at that time. 
The gelatin-based capsules were especially popular because they were slick and easy to swallow. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I know some stuff slick and easy to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm not a dude. <laughs> that is such a dude thing it to is say. Such a dude comment. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Like, oh, your throat's <laughs> sore? Let me fix that. Let me give you some Irish cream. <laughs> I feel like that specific comment has been made to you before. <laughs> it has. I'm like, really, bruh? <laughs> really? Not not now. <laughs> it's moments like this where I go, fuck, my dad listens to this sometimes. He knows. He's not stupid. We talk this way at work, too. I don't. To my dad. Yeah, but I tell him about our conversations. Oh, God, Amanda. <laughs> Sorry, Daddy. Mommies and daddies don't say those kind of words. Mommies and daddies don't. Yeah, have just sex. like our parents only had sex to create us, right? Not even like that. My mom's like the Virgin fucking Mary. Miraculous conception. Yes. Okay. I am divine. <laughs> you you are divine, boo. <laughs> I wasn't laughing at that. It was just a cute <laughs> comment. <laughs> but that was kind of cute. And yeah, that just came off the top of my head. It was fabulous. I say funny things sometimes. You do. Steven doesn't think I'm funny. I think you're funny. He gives me fake laughs. I'll go, uh, when I say something funny. But I know I'm funny. People laugh. It's probably not a fake laugh, but you're probably funny all the time, so he's used to it. I'm a goddamn hoot. You are a fucking delight. I'm a fucking delight. Okay. Oh my God. I don't even remember where it was. Okay. God damn it. Oh, easy to swallow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's how all that got started. Okay. There we go. Circling back around. All right. After testing each of the bottles from each victim's home, they noticed that they were all filled with a mysterious brown powder instead of the white powder normally found in the capsules. Ew. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's just bolt. Um, they also said, like, when they were warning people that if you look at the capsule, they weren't exactly matched up evenly. Mm. Like, the numbers and stuff weren't ex- right where they're supposed to be. You could tell they was taken apart and put mm-hmm. back together. Okay. Each victim swallowed a pill laced with... Fuck. Each victim swallowed... This ain't funny? This shit ain't funny? (laughs) It said swallowed again, so I started having flashbacks. (laughs) 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 To to our conversation like five seconds ago. Okay. Okay. Each victim swallowed a pill laced with a lethal dose of potassium cyanide. Yikes. Yeah. Um, let's go to the 1982 victims. <laughs> I just said yikes. <laughs> you did say yikes. <laughs> I like okay. oi better. Oi. Yeah. You Thanks. say it really cute. <laughs> okay. So go to the first one that has like all the photos, like a bunch of different people. Oh, the sweet little girl. Yeah. There's Mary and Adam. They're and all youngins. This is so sad. It really uh, is. Mm-hmm. What? The oldest person was 35? 37? 35. That is so sad. Uh, Yeah. That's really young. Yep. So there they are. Paula Prince. I'm just going to say, hey, girl, hey. I know. It looks like she's taking a glamour shot. It does. I bet that was a 1980s glamour shot. That's, I mean, she's got the hair. 
I bet if it showed her whole body, she would either have a, a feather boa, a a pink feather boa, <laughs> or b a denim jacket with an American flag and rhinestones on it. Oh, but it's like pulled halfway <laughs> pulled down on her, her shoulders. shoulders a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you yes. know? Okay. Yes. Side fucking note. So early nineties at the mall, they at Pierre Bowser Mall, they still yes. had glamour shots. Yes, I wanted or hot shots. Either hot one. shots is what it was called. Yes, hot shots, and they did like the glamour shot thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have some done so bad. Ugh. I was probably like ten years old, and I wanted some fucking glamour shots so bad. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. mom was like, "I am not. I am not doing that." Now, granted, we probably couldn't have afforded that, but. Still, like, I, I needed my hair teased and red lipstick on. I needed a glamour shot. I wanted it done so bad, my sister did it. Her glamour shot is actually, or hot shot, is actually hanging in the hallway at my parents' house. Shut the fuck up. Take a picture of it. I, need I will take a picture of it. Sissy, now, can I get your permission? Because it's a really good, she's got the, all of it. She's got all of it. Shut up. And in hindsight, I am extremely grateful yeah. that my mom did not let me yeah, do yeah. that bullshit. But I just, every time we went in the mall and we would walk by there, it was like, fuck. I really wanted it so fuck. bad. I want a feather so boa. Good. I wanted the red lipstick mm-hmm. and the teased hair and yes. the feather boa. Yes. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe we should do that now. Let's Ooh, take our own glamour shots. <gasps> let's do it. Y'all, challenge. Y'all post some glamour shots and we will. <gasps> I challenge you. I don't show me yours. I'll show you yes. mine. <laughs> if any of you, I don't care if it's old or new. Yeah. If any of you post a glamour shot, let's do it. We will make our own glamour shots, and then we can let people vote. <laughs> we can let people vote. I'm gonna do it big. I'm going early 1990s style. With oh, mine. Hell, yeah, fucking yeah, you have to. Party city, here I come. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Challenge a, extended. I have people. a black feather bow upstairs. Actually. Shut up. Yep. We're doing this. We can do some of the like, um, where you do them together and you're like back to back with your. <laughs> oh, that's what we'll do. We'll do them together. We can do them together. Y'all couldn't see me, but I totes just posed. She did like she stuck her boobs out and everything. Yeah. Mm. Shoulders back, baby. Yep. <laughs> Got to do it. <laughs> Delena, we need you to uh, be the photographer. Yeah. For our glamour shots. Yep. We're doing it. And we're, we're going to pick like a cheesy background. Oh, we're going to do it anyway. That'd be funny as fuck. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Anywho. Okay. Uh, McNeil Consumer Products, a subsidiary of the healthcare giant Johnson & Johnson, mm. manufacture Tylenol. Okay. Every time I see Johnson & Johnson, I go to like beep some butthead mode. They <laughs> 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 said Johnson. <laughs> Twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> today it's fine yep to its credit the company took an active role with the media in issuing mask warning communications and immediately called for a massive recall of the more than 31 million bottles of tylenol in circulation omg <laughs> tainted capsules were discovered in early october in a few other grocery stores and drug stores in the chicago area but fortunately they had not yet been sold or consumed McNeil and Johnson and Johnson mm-hmm. offered replacement capsules to those who turned in pills already purchased and a reward for anyone with information leading to the apprehension of the individual or people involved in these random murders. 
OMG. Yeah. The case continued to be confusing to the police, the drug maker, and the public at large. For example, Johnson & Johnson quickly established that the cyanide lacing occurred after cases of Tylenol left the factory. Thank God. Yeah. The tainted capsules were found to have been manufactured in two different locations, Pennsylvania and Texas. Someone, police hypothesized, must have taken bottles off the shelves of local grocers and drugstores in the Chicago area, laced the capsules with the poison, and then returned them to re the restored packages to the shelves and to be purchased by the unknowing victims. Do you know what I was just thinking about? What? This was in the 80s. Uh-huh. Without the internet. Uh-huh. So, it uh -huh. probably took forever for people to realize there was a recall in the first place. Right. Yep. I mean, it was making people drop so fast, even if you missed it within 30 minutes. You fucked. And, like, thinking about it, damn near every day I take something for a headache. At le I would say at least four or five times a week. I mean, I'm definitely taking it every day since we've been going to the gym because I'm sore all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so. I bask in my soreness. I only take it for headaches. Uh, but I have headaches frequently, several times a week. Mm. That's so scary. It is scary. To this day, the perpetrators of these murders have never been found, but... But... One man, James Lewis, claiming to be the Tylenol killer. Ah, uh, he didn't do it. I know. <laughs> wrote a ransom letter to Johnson & Johnson demanding $1 million. $1 million. <laughs> do the pinky thing at the corner of your mouth. $1 million. There you go. In exchange for stopping the poisonings, after a lengthy cat and mouse game, police and federal investigators determined that Lewis lived in New York and had no obvious links to the Chicago events. Chicago. He's Chicago. one of those uh, attention seekers. Why do people do false confessions? I don't know. They're crazy people. <sighs> I, I still don't get that. Uh, yeah. That said, he was charged with extortion and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Boom, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was a double flip off right there. He was released in 1995 after serving only 13 years. A second man, Roger Arnold, was identified, investigated, and cleared of the killings. <laughs> I threw this in there because I was like, this is fucked up. Anyways, he had a nervous breakdown due to the media attention, which he blamed on Marty Sinclair, a bar owner. What, what did Marty do? This is all I found. In the summer of 1983, Arnold shot and killed John Stanisha, Stanisha, an unrelated man whom he mistook for Sinclair <laughs> and who did not know Arnold. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so he went to jail. Okay. Lori Dan, who poisoned and shot a number of people in a May 1988 rampage in <laughs> and around Winnetka, Winnetka, Illinois, sure. yeah, was briefly considered a suspect, but no direction direct connection was found. Other copycat poisonings involving Tylenol and other over-the-counter medications cropped up again in the 1980s and early 1990s. But these events were never as dramatic or as deadly as the 1982 Chicago area deaths. Y'all need to calm down. Mm-hmm. 
I'm about to tell you about those, though. Just real quick. Okay. Three more deaths occurred in 1986 from tampered gelatin capsules. A woman died in Yonkers, New York, after... <laughs> Yonkers. <laughs> after ingesting extra-strength Tylenol capsules laced with cyanide. Excedrin capsules in Washington State were tampered with, resulting in the deaths of Susan Snow and no. Bruce Nichol. Mm-hmm. I take Excedrin. A lot of people do, because it works. It, um, it could kill you. It, it can. <laughs> it, it killed these people. <laughs> Poor Susan Snow and Bruce Nichol. So they died from cyanide poisoning and the eventual arrest and conviction of Bruce Nichols' wife, Stella Nichol. Another Stella! Another Stella. Uh. For her intentional actions in the crimes connected to both murders. I always liked the name Stella, too, and Stephen doesn't like that one either. Stella! So he vetoed Mona and he vetoed Stella. So if I ever have a girl, she'll never be a Mona or a Stella. I kind of like the the sound of that, though. That's kind of pretty. I can't have a Stella and I can't have a Mona. That same year, Procter & Gamble's in Capron was recalled after a spiking hoax in Chicago and Detroit. There was sep- Fuck! I combine the words. That resulted in a precipitous... Precipitous. Precipitous. I'll, it's Words are hard. Yeah. Okay. Sales drop and a withdrawal of the pain reliever from the market. I have a picture of the 1986 victims. Okay, let me see. Okay. I just thought of that rap song. Let me see it. Let me see it. Let me see it. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. Oh, my God. All right. There's Stella and Bruce. Holy matching shirt, Batman. Mm-hmm. That's not, Hold on. It's not a choice I would have gone with. Hold on. This is goals. Yeah. This is goals. <laughs> I need a matching yellow rose shirt. They did hot shots together. Amanda. We're not living life right. Apparently not. I, I need one of them shirts. <laughs> Is that what we're going to do our glamour yeah. shots in? <laughs> we need to find some Western shirts with snap buttons. And... Yes, with the pearl snaps, okay. bitch. <laughs> bitch. I got a bitch out of that. I've had too much to drink. Brittany's been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I need them pearl snaps, bitch. Come on. <laughs> Okay. That's my logos board coming out. Gotta have that pearl snap shirt. Gotta represent. (laughs) (laughs) So there's Susan Snow, and I added, uh, like a little yearbook thing, not pictured, Kenneth Berry's. (laughs) That's fantastic. He's the next victim. (laughs) That's fantastic. In uh, in 1986, a University of Texas student, Kenneth Ferries, was found dead in his apartment after succumbing to cyanide poisoning. Tampered an... I thought it was a niacin, but it's anison. Assassin! <laughs> <laughs> Capsules were determined to be the source of the cyanide found in his body. His death was ruled as a homicide on May 30th, 1986. On June 19th, the AP reported that the Travis County Medical Examiner ruled his death a likely suicide. What? Yeah, no. The FDA determined he obtained the poison from a lab which he worked at. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. There's ways to make it look like that. So there's no know. way to know. Yeah, there's no way to know. 
Before the 1982 crisis, Tylenol controlled more than 35% of the -the over-the-counter pain reliever market. Only a few weeks after the murders, that number plummeted to less than 8%. The dire situation, both both in terms of human life and business, made it imperative that Johnson & Johnson executives respond swiftly and authoritatively. Yeah. Johnson & Johnson developed new product protection methods, 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 what the fuck? <laughs> methods and ironclad pledges to do better in protecting their consumers in the future. Working with FDA officials, they introduced a new tamper-proof packaging, which included foil seals, uh-huh. other and other features that made it obvious to a consumer if foul play had transpired. These packaging protections soon became the industry standard for all over-the-counter medications. That pesky little seal that you still have to get through and pull the damn cotton out after dealing with the fucking childproof cap. I don't care so much anymore now that I know about all the dead people. Right? Now I'm like, okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. The company also introduced price reductions and a new version of their pills called the Caplet. Okay. This is why ibuprofen and Tylenol are in. Like, they have both actual gel capsules pills. and caplets. Right. Okay. A tablet coated with slick, easy to swallow gelatin, but far <laughs> harder to tamper with than the older capsules, which could easily be opened, laced with a contaminant, and then placed back in the older non-tamper proof bottle. Within a year, and after an investment of more than $100 million. $100 million. (laughs) Pinky at the corner of the mouth again. Fuck. $100 million. (laughs) Tylenol sales rebounded to its healthy past, and it became, once again, the nation's favorite over-the-counter pain reliever. Critics who had prematurely announced the death of the brand Tylenol were now praising the company's handling of the matter. Indeed, the Johnson & Johnson recall became a classic case study in business schools across the nation. Of course it did. Well, I mean, yeah. In 1983, the U.S. Congress passed what was called the Tylenol Bill, making it a federal offense to tamper with consumer products. Yeah. Yeah. In 1989, the FDA established federal guidelines for manufacturers to make all such products tamper-proof. Thank you. Yeah. Also, in early 1983, at the FBI's request, Chicago Tribune columnist Bob Green published the address and grave location for the first and youngest victim, Mary Kellerman. The story, written with the Kellerman's family consent, was proposed by FBI criminalist John Douglas may have heard of him on the theory that the perpetrator might visit the house or gravesite if he were made aware of their locations, which most people do. Like they usually visit the funerals and stuff like that. Yeah. Both sites were kept under 24 hour surveillance for several months, but the killer did not surface. Sadly, the tragedies that resulted from the Tylenol poisonings can never be undone. But their deaths did inspire a series of important moves to make over-the-counter medications safer, albeit never 100% safe, for the hundreds of millions of people who buy them every year. I am one. Uh Conspiracy theories about motives and suspects for all these heinous acts continue to be tossed about on the internet to this day. After the 25th anniversary of the crime renewed public interest in the case, the police received 
several new tips and went back over the old evidence. In 2009, they connect, connected, conducted. <laughs> I'm okay. I can do this. I'm, I'm on the last this. paragraph. I can do it. Woo. <laughs> she wooed. She didn't woohoo, but she wooed. <laughs> That's all you get. <laughs> it's fine. I'll take it. In 2009, they conducted another search of Lewis's home and later received a sample of Lewis's DNA for analysis, but found nothing to incriminate him further. <laughs> this is what fucking kills me. This is new. The FBI even requested DNA samples from the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, who had terrorized the same area just a couple of years earlier, but he denied any involvement with the potassium cyanide what case. in the actual fuck? Yeah, so just because he said, no, I didn't do it, they were like, okay. But that's two totes different things anyway. Right? So unfortunately, none of the new leads have panned out, and the investigation continues. Wow. If you know something, there are possibilities of giving anonymous tips now. You know, since um the murder of Kitty. Yeah. Now we got the 911 system. If you know anything, speak up. Tell somebody. Who done it? I want to know. Who done it? Who done it? Who been fucking with the Tylenols? Yeah, because I, I take that shit a lot. So, um, and I kind of depend on it. So, uh, Maybe I, now I would like me. for it to not happen again. I didn't do it. I know you didn't do it. I wasn't born you yet. You alive. <laughs> and I was only two. So it definitely wasn't It me. wasn't you. Mm-mm. So there you go. There you go. Excellent job. Thank you. This was <laughs> a good one. I like this one a lot. Okay, so. Who framed Roger Rabbit, bitch? Ooh. Is what I want to know. Okay. Oh, man. There's lots of words. I mean, it's not lots of words, but... Y'all are fixing to hear. Yeah, some- now you have to read after you've been drinking a lot. I okay. am probably the most under the influence I've been. In any episode. In any episode. Yeah. And I'm finna cold read for you this paragraph. You can do it. I have faith in you. You got this. This name is on a whole nother level, though. Okay. okay here we go. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. She didn't tell me. <laughs> this is new for me, too. Thor, Niss, Ooh. Christensen, Thor, Niss, Thor, Niss, and then space, and then N-I-S, and then space, and then Christensen, spelled in not a way that you would typically spell Christensen. Okay. Born December 28th, 1957, and died March 30th, 1981. Mm. Was a Danish-American serial killer from Solvang, California. Okay. He committed his first three murders in the in the late or in late, whatever. Nineteen seventy six and early nineteen seventy seven, killing young women of similar appearance from Isla Vista, California. His crimes motivated large demonstrations opposed to violence against women and in favor of better transportation for the young people residing in Isla Vista. How how does that go hand in hand? What? Listen. Okay. His crimes motivated large demonstrations opposed to violence against women. Oh. Mm-hmm. And in favor of better transportation for the young people residing in Isla Vista. <laughs> what? They just threw that all, all together. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm not drunk. That sounds stupid, right? Yeah. It's, okay. It's, yeah. Okay. Okay. It don't go. In 1979, he killed a young African-American woman from Los Angeles. 
A fifth intended victim escaped with a bullet in her head and later identified him in a Los Angeles bar. What? Where's the whole middle piece of that story? Wait, that's it. I just read that's That's it. it? That's the entire paragraph. No, she she got shot in the head and she lit. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. I want to know what happened to the middle part of the story and how does transportation figure into this? I need to know. (laughs) All right. So so I'm going to have to Google Thor Niss Christensen. Because there's so many unanswered questions in this one paragraph. Okay. So you have homework this weekend as well. Okay. Remind me tomorrow. I have homework this weekend. (laughs) If I remember. That was Thor. That was bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Shit is always bananas. That was that was super bananas, though. Okay. All right. So that just happened. It did. What else? I don't know. I'm I'm still stuck on Thor. I need more. Well, <laughs> my brain just went back to Patrillo. So, and I'm singing. Thank Bulber. You. I'm th- singing. Thank you for being a friend in my head right now. So, I think we're gonna have to wrap this shit up. Yeah, I think we should. Because I'm uh, gonna be like I'm saying retarded shit. We're done. So we're gonna go. Are we gonna um, go? Enjoy your week. Happy humping and all that. Happy humping. <laughs> <laughs> Hump safely. Ooh, that's cute. Hump safely. Bye, you guys. Laters. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook and Instagram for episode picks and announcements. Please rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Facebook. We want to give a huge shout-out to Stephen Goetzky for editing, Craig Weaver for music, and our very own Amanda Higgins for art. We'll talk at you next week.